Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Gateway Comics and Toys. Gateway is located at 2368 Plank Road in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our website is gatewaycomicsandtoys.com where you can find more information about our store, including hours, new releases, and specials for the week. Our social media is under Gateway Comics and Toys as well, so you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. All right, everybody, good evening and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, November 25th. I am your host, Randy. I have my co-host here, Tommy. Hello. Enos. What's up, people? Uh, Olivia uh, may not make it tonight. She is preparing Gateway Comics and Toys for the Black Friday sale. Um, Madman, I'm on the board. Say hello, Madman. Hello, Madman. All righty. Um, how was everyone's last week slash weekend? Yeah, went all right. It was good. Went all right. Yeah, the wife and I had to go to New York for some for for some stuff, so uh, we were up there all week. Define ha- oh, okay, never mind. I know what go to New York means, right? <clears throat> get yeah. get at it later. Um, my wife and I were shopping for a new chariot for the dogs this weekend, so we probably will pick one up Saturday. Actually, so are you talking about getting a new car or truck? Truck. Uh, truck okay we, we used to have a forerunner it it was dual purpose it, obviously it was to go to Lowe's to pick up things when we needed it like bags of mulch lumber what have you um but we also called it chariot because we would put the dogs in it because none of our cars are conducive to driving dogs um the problem is it failed inspection over the summer and it was one of those things that it was not passed it was actually a manufactured defect from toyota and it, it died so now it's like well we got to get a new dog chariot so yeah, we right um, Clyde got, can't get into the car at all anymore. So no matter what we have, you know, I we just we have to pick him up and, and put him in. The he's started to get arthritis, so he can't jump in it anymore without without missing. So. Um, meet up with me um, later on this weekend if you can. We have a dog ramp that we used to use for Angel and Eli. Um, that we would, but you unfold and you hang on the back of the car, and he could they would just walk up the ramp into the truck. So we actually have a dog ramp, but he won't use it. Yeah, it's a it's a learning curve. You got to train him how to do it. Yeah, he he. I I don't know what it is with him. He's he's really weird with that. When when um, my mom and stepdad put in a ramp to get up instead of the stairs for my stepdad because uh, he he needed that. He couldn't do the stairs anymore either. And before he got to the point where he couldn't jump a lot, he would go around and jump over top the ramp right onto the porch because he didn't want to use the ramp for whatever it is. He just does not like ramps. Right. Well, when we had the two dogs, Angel and Eli, Angel was, Oh God, she was a, such a smart dog. I put her on a leash. I walked her up at once to teach her how to, you know, show her how to do it. And then that was it. The rest of the time she got it. I said, Angel, get in. She went right up the ramp. Eli would go halfway up and jump off. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't going to work. All right. Yeah. So let's get into the news. Um, 
So remember DC's future state thing that's coming out in January and February, which says, uh, remember, they were originally going to do 5G. That got nixed, but now they want to do something for all that material they had. Have, right. you, have you seen the future state timeline that just got released? So I have not yet. I've heard people talking about it and everything, I, but I, am, I have not seen it. I am not a fan of this. So their timeline is 2025 is Arkham Knights, Batgirls, Batgirls, plural now, Batman, Superman, Batman, Catwoman, Gotham City Sirens, Harley Quinn, um, Grifters, Nightwing, Outsiders, Red Hood, Robin Internal. Um, I guess is when that's all the character titles. 2027 is Dark Detective, The Flash, Teen Titans. By the way, these are not when the books are coming out. I believe these are the timelines of when the books take place, okay? Okay. Um, 2029 is Shazam. 2030, they show Aquaman, Black Racer, Justice League Dark, uh, Metropolis Midnighter, Mr. Miracle, Suicide Squad, Superman of Metropolis, Superman, World, Superman Worlds of War, Nubia. Is that like the old Wonder Woman Nubia? Remember her? That's that's yeah. what I took it to mean when I when I heard them announce it that it was going to be. Twenty thirty five is the Last Lantern. Okay, twenty forty I guess is Justice League. Twenty fifty, Kara Zor El, Superwoman, Yara Floor, who is obviously the new Wonder Girl, Wonder Woman, Superman versus Imperius Lex, Superman, Wonder Woman, three thousand, House of L, Legion of Superheroes, forty five hundred, Swamp Thing. 82,020 Black Adam, and then one just called The End of Time, Immortal Wonder Woman. So I read this. I'm thinking, okay, I am really confused. Are you telling me we're going to get multiple titles that are all going to be in different timelines in the DC universe? I already hate this, and I haven't seen one book. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like they're jumping around to like different years and stuff like that. I don't sounds know. Sounds convoluted as hell. Exactly. It yeah. sounds like it's going to I mean, we'll see, but... I mean, and it sounds a lot like, well, I'm going to read this title because they all take place current day. But, and you know, what happens if you like one book, but not the other book, and then they decide they want to cross over? And like, well, how are you going to cross over a book that's 70, 100 years apart? Yeah. I mean, besides the obvious thing like Dark Side did with the Legion of Superheroes back in the 70s. Hey, there's always time travel, buddy. But yeah. Why does it always seem like just when DC gets their getting, act together, getting to act together, and they're getting on the horse where they're able to compete and put out some good stuff. There's always something stupid that comes along or they do something stupid that just makes no sense and just have you like saying what uh, WTF. Right. Well, now remember, the original plan was we were supposed to get um, DC 5G and these characters right. were all going to replace the existing heroes. And that idea got scrapped when the Dio got killed. Not killed, oh, sorry. Yeah. But rephrase that. When he got let go. Okay. Right. Um, but they want to use that material. So I'm really hoping, because they've even said that the future state runs through January and February. Um, I'm, so I'm really hoping it's a lot like Convergence. We're going to be getting um, these whole backstories to set up something else in a DC universe, but we keep our other heroes. Um, right. this, I mean, I said it before when they were doing Rebirth. Fortunately, they, they managed to keep my interest, but this might be it for me in DC. I mean, my understanding was is this was going to be two months where they did, basically they, they were putting their their old titles on pause for two months and then going back once, you know, future state was over. Right. Well, remember well, the last time that they was the understanding that I had, remember the last yeah. time they did this, it was because they were moving offices from New York to California. Yeah. So true, this, true. this could be the wake of something bigger coming at the end of those two months, which I'm hoping is not another reboot of the line. So let's hope. Yeah, not let's, let's hope not. 
So because I, I, DC can only can reboot so much. Right. Absolutely. Because um, remember, it was the DA also who said you need to reboot your universe every ten years. I'm like, no, you don't. No. You guys managed That's to survive for no decades before you did that. Both you and Marvel. So, yeah. all right. Um, Tommy, what is your news item? David Hemblin has passed away. He was the voice of Magneto on X-Men, the animated series. He passed away at the, recently at the age of 79. Man. Yeah, so. I saw that the other day, actually. Yeah, so we, we, we lost the, uh, the voice of Magneto. And, the, and in related news, the voice of Cyclops from... Um, the uh, X Men, the X Men cartoon where like they were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. Um, I can't remember. I think it's X Men Evolution. Was that it? Hey, that's it. Um, and he was also the voice of Goku for Dragon Ball Z. He passed away at the age of forty-seven. Ooh, ouch. Oh, wow, that's really young. Yeah. So, so definitely some, some. Uh, some uh, passes, definitely passes going on. Um, the the one with the, the guy that was Magneto, man, I loved the um, X Men cartoon from uh, back in the day, back in back in the early nineties. You mean X Men? Uh, yeah. Okay, because X Wings, uh, X Wings, a Star Wars fighter. I, I thought I said X Men. <laughs> I think I heard X Wing. You know, I'm I'm going to be honest with you about the X Men the animated series. I didn't watch it when it was first the first run and i don't know if maybe that has something to do with it but i have tried to sit down and watch it several times like two three times i for whatever reason can't get into it i love the x-men and and you know what we're going to be discussing that tonight um dc versus marvel animated um but enos do you have a news item yes i do this is one i had last week uh it seems like they um the uh the nuts are coming back again and what I mean by that is everybody wants the in, re, in light of the issues between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Oh, Lord. The knuckleheads are now trying to get up a petition to get her fired from the sequel to Aquaman. And come to find out these dummies shot themselves in the foot because her contract um, won't, won't, cannot, um, they can't void, Warner Brothers can't void her contract. Please explain to me how people who just by hearsay, want to shit can people. I'm sorry, who just want to just um, throw people under the bus and just like want to want to like ruin the doggone lives and stuff. And because I got into a debate with someone on Facebook about, it, and I'm like, if I wasn't there and if I didn't see that, I cannot pass that particular judgment on anybody. So how in the hell are you going to go around and tell somebody? That that Amber Heard is this, that, and what have you. When you don't know any more than I do, right? The only thing we're is secondhand. And, well, and then personally, Depp needs to be knocked out for, for that lame performance of Tano in that Lone Ranger movie from Disney that they made a mockery of. You know, I didn't actually see Just that. <clears throat> but you know, I saw it years ago. It it it, it wasn't. Good. It smelled. Someone even pointed out though. Um, People would be seeing the movie not for her, but for Momoa. Right. I mean, let's, yeah. let's, let's face it. The draw there is Momoa. All right. Yeah, Momoa's the draw, and and it's the ladies that's gonna that's gonna make the money, just like it did last time. The the, the ladies love Momoa, man, and, and as long as he's playing that role, they're gonna show up. Did I tell you? I don't think I told you guys this. Um, I guess it was last year. Aquaman came out twenty nineteen, right? 
Or was it 2021? End of 2018. I think it was end of 2018. Okay, so yeah, God, it was 2018 then. Um, we all did one of those day trips up to New York um, for uh, Christmas. By the way, listeners, we're down in uh, Virginia, so we always have those buses that go up like six hours to, to New York. You spend a day in New York, and then you do like you know six hours back home. But anyway, we went up there um, in December because you know everybody does Christmas up in Rockefeller Center and Times Square and all that, which, by the way, it was crowded as all get out, and I'm never doing that again. Uh, which I told my wife, unless it's one of the things where we go up there for the weekend and go up on Thursday and I come home Sunday and I can do it, you know, le- leisurely. But apparently, that was also the same weekend, and I'm on just a few blocks away now when this happens because we're walking to somewhere I can remember to see the, the department store window. That was also the same weekend that Momoa makes a surprise appearance in Times Square as Aquaman with the staff, with his trident. Dang. And, and you can actually see in the video, there's one where um, he's sitting on a platform, everybody's yelling at him, um, you know, you know, you know, Jason Momoa, Aquaman, what have you. But there's a great bit in it where he's walking on the street and the camera's falling behind him. And you see he passes, passes us one girl, and as he passes her, she turns and goes, that's Aquaman. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and, and I found out that was the weekend we were there, and I just showed it to our wives. and like, see what we missed for you guys? So if we could have just stayed in Times Square, you probably would have seen Jason Momoa. And, and cause <laughs> yeah, really? My, my friend Mark's wife was crazy for about Jason. I'm like, look what you missed. <laughs> All righty. So, um Normally when Olivia's here, she gives us the Gateway Staff recommendations, um, but she's not here. Um, so I was going to ask, do you guys have any books that you've read that you think everyone else needs to pick up and, and be reading? Or something that you're just really digging saying, hey, man, go out and read this. I just want to jump on what you talked about uh, a couple of weeks back. If you're going to read anything, read Batman. This, the storyline with James Tenyon IV. Oh, you done caught up from issue 101, right? <laughs> yeah. And and I just love everything after 100 ladies and gentlemen, everything that you know about Batman, the whole status quo has been changed. Oh yeah. That's it, that's all I'm going to really give on it cuz I don't want to give it away, but if you're not reading it, if you if you like what Tom King was doing, you're going to love what what James Tenyon the fourth is doing and he's really doing an excellent job. Well, I remember when you read 100 um, and you find out everything that's being changed, I was just like, holy crap, holy crap. Because then you start adding up and you're like, man, it's just like everything has just been 180 to one issue, you know? Yeah. But if yeah. you, but it all results out of the Joker War, so. No. Yep. Uh, let's see. What else? Tommy, you got any recommendations, something you're reading that you think has been really good? Not really. I'm I'm kind of behind on my reading right now, to be honest with you. But I mean, there's really nothing that's jumping out of me. That's you know, like my God, you got to read this from what from right. my from my my stacks that I've been reading. So the uh, the one actually the thing that I haven't been reading, I'm kind of really disappointed, in, and, I, and I hate saying this, the current Justice League series because they're tied into the Death Knight metal or the you know Death Metal, and mm-hmm. and I hate the storyline they're doing in it right now. I read like the first issue, and I'm like, okay. I don't like the fact that death metal is still going, but now you're writing Justice League as if it's already happened and we've lost, basically. Yeah. Um, so I can't wait for that whole thing to wrap up. Uh, I am rereading Invincible. I'm now up to hardcover book number six. Enos, once I get to a certain point where I know you won't catch up to where I'm at, I'm going to let you borrow the, uh, the trades on that because mm. I, I think you'll like it. Okay. And also I want to add, uh, if you have not been reading Donnie Cates' run on Thor, 
by all means do so because the most recent issue, I haven't picked it up yet, but I've been keeping up with it. Don, Dr. Donald Blake shows back up and we, and we get the explanation on where he, where he has been. Sweet. And remember, Donnie Cates is also writing that crossover and image, which also just reminded me, um, I picked up issue one last week, not of crossover. I picked that up when it came out, but I picked up the Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn issue one last week. I really like where this has been getting ready to go. Um, okay. Harley Quinn is a very interesting character in that series um, by Sean Murphy, who wrote the first two. He didn't write this this third one, and I'm, I apologize to the writer because I can't remember right off the top of my head. I didn't put it in the notes. But, yeah, pick up Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn. Book two is supposed to come out tomorrow. Book one is probably still on the stand. Um, that's starting off really nice. They, they've done something really good with Harley Quinn in that universe. So, all right, let's hit the show and tells. I'm going to let you guys go first. All right. You want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Sure. Why not? I have have a book that you don't hear much about, but it was a, and it was a big deal when it came out. And it was one of the last things that the late great Gil Kane did before he passed. And that is the life story of the Flash hardcover. Back it up a little Mark bit. Wade. Pull it back. back a little bit. There you yeah. go. Now you by Mark to... by go. Mark Wade and Brian Augustine, uh, Gil Kane and Joe Staten did the art on this. And I'm telling you guys, this is if I don't know if it's going to be something that's uh, hard to find or you're going to pay a pretty penny for. But trust me, it's worth it. I bought it off the uh, bought it when it when it came out. This book came out in '97. My uh, my niece was a baby at the time. She's 23 now. That uh, um, for you guys who don't know, that is actually from a fictional standpoint. Um, that is Iris Allen's biography of Barry. Yep. So, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah, that, that is a good book. I, I have a copy of that also. I would recommend picking that up. Uh, Tommy, what right, do you got? I guess I will, I will go next. So I got an early uh, Christmas present from uh, from my amazing wife, a book that I've been after for quite some time and have never pulled the trigger on, but I'm very, very happy to have it in the collection. It is Marvel Tales featuring Peter Porker. <laughs> oh, God. Number one. Nice. So I now have the first appearance of the Spectacular spider You and baby. Pat both are crazy for that book. Yep. And now it's mine. Oh, that's horrible. That's Yep. I didn't, yes. I didn't you know, know you what, wanted you that. You know what, man, man? I'm going to tell you the same thing that I'm, I'm going to tell her. She said that this was re- absolutely ridiculous. I said, yes, and that is why That's I want it. That's the point. Exactly. That's <laughs> that the point. point. That's why I want it, because it is ridiculous. It, Spider-Ham was an average everyday spider until he was bitten by a radioactive pig and became Peter Porker, the yeah. spectacular Wait, Spider-Ham. Don't you have That's that the other point. way around? Wasn't it an ordinary nope. pig? Nope. Really? He was a spider that was bit by a radioactive pig. Okay, so now it's just now it's just even worse. Absolutely, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous, and yeah, I love it. He was it. If he was, uh, a, he, was a, he was an average everyday spider in in May Porker's basement that got bitten by a radioactive. So why pig. is Peter? So why is Peter Porker in the shape of a pig? Because he morphed into a pig when he was bitten oh by the radioactive. Oh my god, this is horrible. No, it's brilliant <laughs> yeah, because it plays on yes, it's the brilliant. fact that, as Madman yeah. said, it is brilliant. Yeah. It, because it plays on the fact that when Peter Parker got bit by the spider, he had the proportion um, strength of a spider and everything was, was, was the proportion. 
So being that the uh, radioactive pig bit the spider, the spider became proportionate to the pig. So but that's Peter why Parker got... didn't morph into a spider. Why that's is this... the point. That's <laughs> the point. If, if the you're point. bitten by a radioactive spider and you become spider-like, you're likely to grow a three, other, three extra sets of eyes, you know, a, a couple of other pairs of arms and, and legs. And shoot webs out my ass. Out your butt. Absolutely. <laughs> it will be out your butt. Randy, if, if you don't get it, then, 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 then I can't help you. Absolutely. Right, if, uh, if you had read more Spider-Ham, you would have a more developed <laughs> sense of humor like Tommy and I have. All right. I'm out. Okay. I want you to know that you're identifying with the guy who likes wrestling, Madman. Ugh. Oh, touche. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Madman. Yeah, why don't you go? To, <laughs> why don't Hold you on. go to our show and tales now? Let me. I, I got to fix this, these cameras. I was distracted <laughs> by making fun of you guys. Hold on. Right, I'll fix that later. Let's go to the comic cam. These are the comics I brought because I'm always confused about what week it is for the show. So I brought in some Valiant comics. This oh. one was free. What do you think it's worth now? Uh, at the time, it was easily going for around fifteen, twenty bucks when Unity and Valiant were both really hot. Yeah. But you know what? So Unity was Jim Shooter's vision for Valiant. Um, all the books were going to, they were not in their own universe, but they were telling their own individual stories, but they were all leading up to this big Unity event. Yeah. Because um, you can see, like, a, a bunch of the Valiant universe characters are on the front cover there. Absolutely. And that was his yeah, great plan. Yeah, Man of War, Magnus, Robot Fighter, Solar. Right. There was going to be this huge crisis that was going to bring all the characters together, and then it was going to be like a streamlined universe at the end of it, and then... Acclaim bottom shooter got pushed out and blah blah blah. Yeah, I also got the this. This is chapter one. I also got chapter eighteen. Yeah, those were. I really loved the Unity run in Valiant. Like, like I said, I was reading pretty much every Valiant book that came out. Um, and then as soon as Acclaim bottom, I knew that universe is dead. Yeah, I, I didn't read much of them back in the nineties, but I heard good things. I mean, they were they were a huge talk that they were that that was really good stuff, but. Oh, it was me and my friend John, who used to run a comic book store at the time, were talking about them every week about how they're getting ready to take over DC. They're going to take over the number two spot. DC better watch it. And then Acclaim bought them, and then we're like, well, no, not now. So, All right. Last one, Madman. I'm still playing with the camera. Sorry. Okay. So this week's episode, we're actually talking about the Justice League cartoon. So since we are talking about Justice League, I brought this bad boy in. Comic Cam. Justice League number oh. three. Number, number three. three. I'm wow. so jealous. That's a fairly recent acquisition, isn't it? A uh, couple years ago now, yeah. Okay, okay. Actually, that might be Dragon Con last year. I don't remember. I bought that, number three. I, yeah, I thought, I thought you got that Dragon Con last year. Because I also got the mystery in space that follows up this Kendra Rowe story. So. Yeah. Who's that guy in the boat? I forget his name. Uh, the guy with the... the Kanjaro. Yeah, Kanjaro. Yeah. Yeah, see, we got some Martian Manhunter in there, some Green Lantern, Flash. We still got all the original lineup there, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Um, all right, so... Um, I don't think that... I think that because you, if you, you want Flash on, like, the back two wars, you don't want Flash on one side, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a boat in space. You go in a big know. circle, so... Yeah. It's a boat in space, so I don't know. So everyone agrees that when it comes to the actual movies, the MCU rules. I, I will even admit that while I like the DC movies, the MCU won that battle. But when you start talking cartoons and animation, most everybody in comic books will flip their boat on that and tell you, well, the DC animated movies are spectacular. Marvel, not so much. Okay. 
Um, it all started with Bruce Timm and the Batman the Animated Series, which was really good. And then he went into Superman the Animated Series, which was really awesome. And then his flagship, or what I consider the flagship, for Cartoon Network, they did the Justice League cartoon. Um, and Justice League started, I think, in February 2004, um, which followed up then by another um, cartoon after that. But So he got all the same people back. So like Batman was Kevin Conroy, who had been doing it for years, picks it up for Justice League. We get um, George Newbern to do Superman. Now that's a little bit different because it was Tim Daly for some of the animated series, right? Yeah. Um, yep. For Wonder Woman, we get Susan Eisenberg, um, Phil Lamar for Green Lantern, um, Michael Rosenbaum does Flash and Wally West. He also does Deadshot in this as well. Um, Michael Rosenbaum also, if you guys remember, was Lex Luthor on Smallville say, yeah, on, on CW, on Small. and he was brilliant in that role. Um, Carl he was Lumley, also Dead Man. Yes. Carl Lumley did Martian Manhunter on a TV on this Justice League. And you know what's really great about that? Those of you watching Supergirl, Carl Lumley is Martian Manhunter's father in that TV show. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. And then me great character in, in that show too. I, I love Martian Manhunter in that show. And his dad played a, you know, the, the character of his father was really great right. too. And Maria Canals Barrera does Hot Girl. Um and and she does a really great job with Hot Absolutely. Girl. Um and we'll actually talk about that in a second, Madman, because there's major storylines involving her, involving yeah. Hawkgirl in that series. Um, number one case in point is Hawkgirl and Green Lantern um, yep. are dating when the show first starts. Okay, um, so yeah, great TV show. We're actually going to start talking about our favorite episodes um, from that series. I'm going to start off um, from season one, the very first season, episodes six and seven, "The Enemy Below." Um, what is really great about yeah. this one, um, it was directed by Dan Reba, written by Kevin Hopps, okay? Uh, but it starts off, there's actually a nuclear submarine that is attacked um, in the Atlantic, and it is basically, you know, brought down. And it turns out to be Aquaman and his crew. Um, what he's trying to make a statement is, you know, the surface world needs to quit polluting our waters and quit invading our sovereign rights. Just as much as you guys claim the land and the skies, the ocean is ours, and you guys are not recognizing that, right? Um, so Superman and Justice League are sent to rescue the the sub. Um, when they get there, all the nuclear armament is missing. But it was funny because, you know, Aquaman is like, you need to get out of here. He says, I'm sending a message to the surface world. And Superman goes, look, there are soldiers in that sub who are going to die if we don't get them out. And there's like a bit of a pregnant pause. And Aquaman goes, you may take the men, but the weapons stay. Um, so they get them out there. Buster Sailor Superman. Right. Um, but... Superman even tells Aquaman, you know, listen, bring your fight to the World Congress. Talk to them, you know, plead your case there. And he goes, okay, fine, I'll listen, do what you said. But as he's gone, his brother, Lord Orm, takes over Atlantis. Yep. Um, now, the reason this is such a great episode, um, two things happen here. Um, a lot of the Aquaman movie you can see in this episode. Because oh, of the yeah. exact same thing. He oh, leaves yeah. Atlantis. Yeah, I was just going to say, this sounds like, a lot like the Aquaman movie. Um, while he's talking to the World Congress and he comes out, there's an assassination attempt on his life, who ends up being Deadshot. Um, so right away, you're getting a very early um, cameo by a major DC baddie. And you find out that it was Deadshot who hired um, Lord Orm to, to take over, right? Um, plus, we're getting... 
I would say the Jason Momoa Aquaman. He's got the long hair. He's gritty. He's got the goatee. He is not the guy with the short hair and the orange um, tunic. Yeah, the guy that got made fun of relentlessly right, in absolutely. Super Friends. The, the yeah. Aquaman we get in this is the, the I'm going to say, it, the badass Aquaman, okay? Secondly, too, and I know the people who weren't regularly into cartoons or comics that watched this episode... Um, when Aquaman gets freed and he goes back because they set up Deadshot, they have Martian Manhunter pretend to be him. They wheel Aquaman out on the thing. Deadshot goes to assassinate him, and of course the bullet hits through, and, and Martian Manhunter changes, and Deadshot realizes, oh crap! Right? He goes back to Atlantis. He confronts his brother, who defeats him in battle, ties him to a cliff, yep. and takes the Lord Prince Arthur, um, their baby, and also puts him in, you know, chains him to the rock, which starts sliding into the molten lava. And you're thinking, oh, this is bad. And mm-hmm. you know how he gets out of it. We go right to that gritty Aquaman from the 80s. He takes the big A off of his belt, um, which is um, razor sharp, and he cuts his hand off to free himself. Just like 128 hours. Right. And it's, uh, well, and he gets that weird spire. And it's really great because you see both his hands are chained to the rock. He gets the one free. And you see he can't get the other one, and they're sliding towards the, the lava. You see him grab that A off his belt, and you just know before you even see it where this is about to go. Absolutely. It got all saw in a kid's t- cartoon. Right. And this is the very first season. It's like I epi- know. episode six and seven. It set the tone for the Aquaman character in the series. It set the tone for the entire s- series, I would yeah. say. It it's basically, not your kid's cartoon. It served notice that we're going to get gritty with this series, and we're going to tell you adult stories. Yeah. Well, and it's a good thing too for Aquaman, especially like you said, after the way he was portrayed on Super Friends and stuff like that, you know, so to to get him out there. Aquaman's one of those characters I never thought got the love that he should. I mean, you know, yeah, he's an undersea character, but when it comes to like brute strength, he's almost on Superman's level when it comes to that. Well, well, the thing thing with Aquaman that, that nobody ever understood and what really never made any sense to me was the fact that. How are you gonna make how are you gonna make someone virtually limitless or, or limit their power when the earth is 75 to 80 percent water? They should be one of the most powerful people on the planet. And statistically, and there should be far until, more superpowered creatures in the ocean. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because the only time Aquaman had any credibility was back during the 1968 filmation cartoon because he wasn't he wasn't portrayed as hokey. It was cool that he had the fish and he had Storm and Imp and Aqualad at his side. And you saw the um rogues gallery in um in the episodes such as the Fisherman, Torpedo Man, and um and many others. But the but somehow along the way, as highly regarded as it was. By them watering down things, they made Aqu- the, the Super Friends made um, uh, Aquaman a laughing stock. And the episode that Randy was talking about also pays homage to Peter David's run on Aquaman from 1994, where he went up against yep. Carbidris, who put his hand in a right. pond full of piranha and they ate his hand off. So, you know, the the, the the piranha eating his hand would have been a bit extreme, but it was look more heroic to see him lose his hand trying to save his son compared Absolutely. to losing it being gnawed off. Because there's so, even a scene and, at the end of this when he shows up in the throne room and Mara realizes he's alive. Before he even shows it, 
um, to Mara. She even sees it. You can see the bloodied bandage on his left hand. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and, uh, and, and what I and, and the one thing I, I would have loved to have seen them do because um, Aquaman, the, Peter David and um, Dan Jurgens took over and did the writing up until it ended. When um, Jurgens took over, they gave him a more of a cybernetic hand where instead of if he wanted to harpoon, he could. But that but the um, it was more in link with his mental ability so he could morph it into anything he willed it to. And that made him even more dangerous. That was when he had like the blue like water construct hand thing, right? No, okay. That was I, after that. Okay, because I was actually so, okay with was, the with the whole construct that he could change. Yeah, but, but because for some reason, when they did that storyline with the water hand, for some reason that just didn't catch on. But when he had that cybernetic hand and he could morph into any weapon, that was really cool. Yeah, and up until they ended the series. So, and that was just before the uh, Justice League cartoon debuted and they and they paid homage to that with that two-part episode so enemy below season one really good madman i know you've got an episode because you and i talk about this show all the time yeah it's uh it's three episodes actually it's a savage time oh that was on my list yeah i'm sure i'm sure it was on somebody's list because uh i'm not sure i think it was the first season it is the season finale for season one yes and i mean what an end to a season because it's a fantastic story about uh Vandal Savage getting the brilliant idea to send something, send a laptop computer, a simple laptop computer back right. in time. With a CD with blueprints of uh, yep, weapons. Advanced weaponry and, stuff, and so forth. And so, and he altered history. And so the Justice League uh, gloms onto this fact that, you know, somebody's been mucking through time. And uh, so they have to go back in time and try to stop this, get all this technology that's not supposed to be in the time. And you would, as you might imagine, uh, Vandal Savage sent... Uh, modern technology that like we have back to the forties. And of course the perfect place for him to set up shop is in 1940s Germany, right? 19, late 1930s Germany. And so uh, it led to a very interesting storyline. And you also get, you know, a bunch of these uh, cameos from classic uh, uh, golden age characters. Well, I was going to tell you what's really great about this. Cause I, excuse me, this is one of the ones I just rewatched. There's four separate stories playing out in the main, in the main oh, yes. story itself. Oh yeah. Because you have John Stewart who meets up with Easy Company when his yep. ring expires. Um, you have John Jones goes after Savage in Hitler's castle. Um, you have Flash, Superman, and Hawkgirl who meet the Blackhawks of all yep. people. Um, and the great thing too about this is just like an actual regular movie in a theater, when the Blackhawks show up, they get their own theme music. <laughs> and every time you see the Blackhawks in combat, the soundtrack changes to the Blackhawks theme. And then the one story, which is actually a bit of a, a heart uh, jerker, is yeah. Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor, absolutely. And I mean, that's that's what I loved about it is that um, I think this was uh, uh, kind of how Justice League Unlimited came about is because every now every now and then, if if an episode's plot kind of uh, lended itself to it, you would see other characters in the DC universe, whether it be Hawk and Dove or you know. Um, or Easy Company, and so forth. It's it's it, it started getting real cool to see these B heroes that you wouldn't necessarily see in their own show per se, but you know you do get to see them in the Justice League series when you consider all of them is like they pretty much covered everybody. I was know? watching uh, a Justice League Unlimited episode today, um, 
which now I cannot remember the, the title of it. Daggone it, Bobby. What happened? What but happened it's the one where they have to go to space, but one of the people on the mission with them is Vigilante, of all people. And I mean the cowboy Vigilante. With oh, the, wow. Uh, um, which, by the way, is voiced by Nathan Fillion, a Firefly flame. <laughs> yep. But what's really great about this episode, too, um, number one, like I said, is that you have these four separate stories. All of those stories converge back at the same place. So oh, yeah. they all go back to the, to the same location. But Wonder Woman meets up with Steve Trevor um, in his little mission, and she's with John Jones, or I'm sorry, John Stewart, and they separate. He goes, I'll, you know, gonna, you know, we gotta find John. You go with him. Because um, Steve Trevor has a decoder of Vandal Savage's, um, yeah. Uh, Code-breaking language. I, God, I can't remember. They're a little separate uh, algorithm that they need to break. Or the Enigma code or something? Right. It's a, so he has a decoder, and Steve Trevor's like, I'm supposed to meet this guy, Dr. Ernst, who can turn around and decipher this for us and tell us what it says. So, of course, a little love story develops between Steve Trevor and Wonder Woman. I have a wee bit of an issue with the fact how quickly Wonder Woman falls for Steve Trevor in this, but what are you going to do with Steve Trevor, right? Well, yeah. Are you mad? you think Batman should be angry? Uh, right. Well, that's another thing, too. We'll get into that one. But what's really great is, so they defeat uh, Vandal Savage. They get Hitler back because you even see that Vandal Savage, for some reason I have yet to figure out, doesn't kill Hitler. He just puts him on ice. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, they're come, they come back to their time, and this is what's really great. When they realize that time is muckworth, there's no Batman. They don't have his signature. You know, his psychic signature, John Jones can't find it. But when they come back, all of a sudden there's Batman. He's like, I figured you'd be here because he read this weird time anomaly and not realizing what's going on. And <laughs> Superman goes around and hugs him and says, Batman, it's really you. And Batman's like, am I missing something? Yeah. <laughs> but what's really great is because remember, Wonder Woman meets Steve Trevor, falls in love with him in World War II. The final scene in this episode is she goes to an old folks' home for a retired vet. And the nurse takes her to a back door that goes out into like a back courtyard. And she tells him, try to keep her visit brief. He gets tired easily. And he goes and she goes and she out there and she sits down. And of course, is the old Steve Trevor who turns around, remembers her, and just goes, Angel. Because he named her Angel. Um, when they yeah, first Nick meet. Nicknamed her, yeah. So that was a great episode. You know what is really great about this too, Madman? Um, you find out that Savage's plan was not to invade Europe. It was to invade America. America, yeah. He had these huge, huge um, air, mega-sized airships with his weapons on them. Um, this yeah. episode came out like in 2004 um, with the huge airships that was going to invade America. You know what this predates? The Captain America. Captain America yeah. movie of Fred Skull. Absolutely. And, uh, it's such a great timeline because, uh, in, you know, uh, Hitler did have designs on invading the Americas through, like, Brazil and so forth and Argentina. Right. And so forth. And so uh, I think that, you know, I think that Vandal Savage took the technology, you know, and was able to, like, weasel his way up through the echelons of the party there and was able to, uh, like, influence what, what the country was doing. And eventually, you know, the raging lunatic had to be put on ice. But, I mean, Vandal Savage isn't the kind of guy to waste something, like, just in case you need it later, you know, right. cry, cryogenically freeze the old boy. But, yeah, that was a really great episode. Um, Enos, what do you got? I have, and I got the series guide right here. My oh, favorite was, was um, episode, one of my favorites was episode four and five in Blackest Night. That episode focused on John Stewart, where we learned more about him, his past, and um, how he wound up with the Green Lantern Corps, 
and how and this this two part episode solidified his popularity because you know John was arguably one was already popular with um with among Green Lantern fans, but when he was put when they chose to put him over Hal, um, he wound up being one of the most popular members of the cast and probably the most featured because I don't think there was an episode where he wasn't yeah, involved yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, he's pretty much in every one of them. Right. And, but but the, and Blackest Night was, if you really wanted to know about Jon Stewart, what makes him tick, and why he was selected as a Green Lantern, definitely is um, this one. And Phil Lamar from Mad TV, who voices John, I know, I know, is does a phenomenal, phenomenal job doing this character. And um, there's another episode where it focused on him and Wally when we met up with Gorilla Grodd, called the Brave and the Bold. And one of the funny parts about that it was like he didn't believe um, Wally when he said the Gorilla talked, and Solar Bar yep. showed up, right. voiced by the late <laughs> David Ogden Styers, who was Major Winchester on MASH. Um, oh, wow. And Grodd was uh, voiced by the incredible late, great Powers Booth. There's a and, lot of uh, great celebrity voices in this cartoon. Yeah. Well, oh, you, yeah. you, brought up, you brought up Phil Lamar. I mean, doesn't he do like voice acting in pretty much everything that requires voice acting? He, do, he right. does a lot, and, yes. And, yeah, and he seems like he's everywhere when you find there's like a cartoon. Phil Lamar is in it. Yeah, and keep that he was also the voice of Static Shock as well. But but um I the what I was talking about the Brave and the Bold episode, two-part episode, was when Solovar showed up and uh like you said, John couldn't didn't believe that uh the gorillas were talking and Solovar spoke, and he simply goes, "Okay, so he does talk." Yeah, that's that's a great one too. Phil Lamar too, and it's funny because I remember I remember him from Mad TV days. So when Justice yeah. League premiered and it showed him as Green Lantern, I remember doing a double take, going, "He's Green Lantern," because his yeah. voice is so radically different than what you got from Mad TV. Right. Um, and, right. And, I'd, and I'd like to point out that I am one hundred percent correct that he does voice acting in every cartoon. If you go to his IMDb. <laughs> Uh, database here. Oh, yeah. He's got a long line of credits in, in animated work. Yeah, it is he, insane. He must live close to a bunch of audio studios. Right. Well, he's also, remember, the voice director or for that Justice League was Andrea Romano. Um, right. And I think she probably has a lot of um, a lot of work in voice casting in Hollywood. Yeah, I'm and, sure. And she has a lot of her favorites that you can tell because they show up all over the place. Um, so, well, every time I see your name, I mean, I, I notice it because it's like, oh, and director oh, of course. Voice, yeah. Right. Um, Tommy, I'm going to assume you don't have an episode because you already said you didn't watch. So I'm going to take another one. Um, and let me tell you what, uh, this episode is so important because it sets up a huge arc, um, in season two of Justice League Unlimited, but from the regular Justice League cartoon season two, episodes 11 and 12 of the season, chronologically there are episodes 37 and 38 all the way down um, and i happen to notice that a lot of my favorite episodes are written by the same guy here stan berkowitz and it's a better world um and so this one this is a really oh this is such a great episode it starts off with batman wonder woman and superman in the white house and uh, yeah uh, and they're fighting their yep. way towards the oval office um 
And what ends up happening is, is Superman gets there first, and you see Luther is piling all his papers into a briefcase, and he's like, it would have worked. It was so close. And then Superman breaks into the Oval Office, and he looks around and goes, this wasn't enough for you, was it? And he tells them, you brought the world to the brink of war. So as they're talking, um, Lex Luthor opens up the drawer, and he has his thumb posed over this finger, you know, or background, maybe, has his thumb poised over this button um, in the drawer. And you see Superman just looks at him, and he goes, there's at least six ways I can stop you right now. And Lex Luthor goes, yes, but they all involve deadly force, and you don't do that, do you? Um, so then he starts to tell him, says, you brought this uh, on the world. You know how many times you could have stopped me, but you don't ever do it. Says, you need me uh, as your main villain, because without you, you're not the hero. And you like being the hero, don't you? Um, and then yep. his see a close-up on his face, he goes, you're right. I did enjoy being the hero. Then his eyes get red. Yep. The scene changes. Wonder Woman and Batman are in the hallway, and Batman goes, do you smell something? And she immediately knows what it is. She bursts into the Oval Office, and all you see is Superman looking out the window, and you don't actually see it. They just show you a pile of smoke coming up from behind the desk. Um, so then you're just like, wow, you know that he did it. Um, we get a break. In a commercial, we get a break. It comes back, and now suddenly we see that they're all wearing different costumes. Superman is wearing um, a white and black costume. Wonder Woman is wearing um, a more form-fitting costume with pants and short hair. Um, they all had different costumes, um, and it's two years later, and they're basically running the world now. They're not letting the U.S. have elections. They're the Justice Lords. They're the Justice Lords. Justice and this is what's Madman, and this is what's really great. What Madman just pointed out. Um, Superman is that dinner of Lois, and you can actually tell that Lois is not happy because they're running the world. And when he leaves to go meet Batman, because Batman calls him like, I need the whole team here now, she comes out the front door, and two armed guards stop her and say, you know the rules, ma'am, you can't leave, this, that, the other. Um, so they're basically martial law of the superheroes. And then they're sitting there in Batman's Batcave, and they're watching um, this fight with Lex Luthor and the Justice League in their regular costumes. And they're like, I don't remember this fight with Luthor. And he's like, that's because this is not us. This fight is happening right now. And they don't call themselves the Justice Lords. They're the Justice League. And that's and this here's what's great. You get 15 minutes into this episode before you realize we're on an alternate Earth. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, and of one course... One of my favorite... I'm sorry, go ahead. The, the thing that's really great about this is you even see them already go, on their world, their Flash is still alive. And immediately you know that, ooh, okay, Flash yeah. has died on this world. And then Superman gets, so is their Luther. So they decide they have to come to this Earth and basically take over and pave the way and show the Justice League what they need to do. Go ahead, Enos. One of, one of, the, one of the outstanding highlights of this show was when um, Batman met his mirror self in this episode. Yep. Yes. And they were... And when they um, they would drive, they would. It first started off as a fight between the two of them, and and they're in that Batman's Batcave. And when he's and it was going, they were going back and forth, debating and throwing batarangs. When it says we took that power and made it safe, so no other nine-year-old child would ever lose their parents to a gun. And Batman drops his um, batarang and says, "You win." And that so is such a powerful scene, scene it too. It is a powerful scene. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the next scene is you see them driving through Gotham City and everything is peaceful and everything. And then they get to a scene where this guy starts complaining about his bill for the rep, for his food. 
guys going off, being completely belligerent, and then the cops show up and take him away. And Batman tells the Justice Lord Batman, he says, they'd be so proud. Mom and dad he would says, be proud. Yeah. Mom and dad. And he goes, just drive. So what's really great about this too, um, earlier on in this scene, we get Doomsday, but it's not regular Doomsday. This one's actually intelligent and can speak. And the Justice Lord Superman puts him down by using his heat vision and he lobotomizes him. Yep, like he does with everybody. And you see two little holes in his head where he's lobotomized him, and they're all talking to him, and Lois Lane's like, you lobotomized him. And then Justice Lord Superman's like, what is your question, Lois? And she's like, it just seems so out of character. <laughs> well, in this episode, our hawk girl gets hurt, and they have to go to a hospital to find her. And then <laughs> Flash goes, well, wait a minute, guys. Here, we're the bad guys. Where would you take a bad guy for medical treatment? Well, it turned out to be Arkham Asylum. So the Justice League gets there, and working the desk is a lobotomized Joker who turns around, and he's all peaceful, and he's nonviolent, and he's got the two lobotomized <laughs> marks on his head. So what was great is uh, we're here to see uh, a prisoner, and Joker's like, of course, Bat uh, Superman. And they start walking towards the door, and he turns around. But before we go in, the password. So you see John Jones uses telepathy, and the password is applesauce, and he broadcasts it to Superman, and Superman goes, applesauce. And Joker's like, right, but Wonder Woman was supposed to say it. And he hits the alarm. <laughs> and then it's, <laughs> it's so great because as this is going on, out in, the, out in the front lawn, they tell Flash, you stay here because remember, this world's Flash is dead. He picks a rose, and there's a big sign that says, please don't pick the flowers. And then Poison Ivy is like, you're not supposed to pick the flowers. And you look, and she has the lobotomy marks as well. And you're just like, wow, he's just lobotomized everyone who's a villain in this world. Yep. Exactly what Lex Luthor feared. Yes. So I'm not going to give away the ending. You guys need to go watch A Better World. Just pick up these Justice League cartoons and watch them. You will be amazed at some of the stories. Uh, Madman, what do you got? Um... I can't remember the name of the, the episodes, but uh, John Stewart got falsely accused in some uh, intergalactic court for destroying a planet during right. a fight. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I don't remember, but I know what you're talking about. It, it actually harkens back to the Cosmic Odyssey story. Exactly. And so, I mean, I thought it was a, I think that Ken Jaro, I think he was in that episode. Yes, I believe um, he is actually. And uh, uh, he... As he's being arrested by the, what were they, the Guardians? Uh, I think it's the Guardians, yeah. yeah. He was, he was uh, no, the Manhunters. The Manhunters right. come, come to arrest him. And so, uh, and he submits himself willingly because he thinks himself as guilty, you know? And the Justice League are all like, hey, you know, what's this all about? And he's telling them to stay out of it, you know, I'm guilty, you know, it's, uh, just forget about me. But Flash, being his bestie, or thinking he's his bestie, you know, won't let it go. And so eventually, they follow him to this uh, this court in the uh, some something district or quadrant or whatever like that. Oh, this has, got the, this has got the bar fight on the planet too, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yes. And you see, like, a, <laughs> there's a black, that's the end of Blackest Night episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, and so I just I loved it because you see a whole bunch of the Green Lantern core, you see a whole bunch of like the alien creatures that you see from the comic books and so forth. And plus they had one of my favorite lines I ever heard in a, uh, in a justice league episode, which was um, when flash is making the case is like, doesn't anyone speak on behalf of the accused? And, um, and, he, and they go, yeah, you're talking about like lawyers or something like that. And it's like, yeah, it's like, 
Well, if so, you speak on behalf of the accused, you f- you face the same imp- uh, punishment that oh, the right. accused takes <laughs> if, if they're found guilty. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh," and he's like, "Oh, that's how he got rid of all lawyers." And I was like, "That's a pretty, pretty good, pretty good <laughs> joke right. for a Justice League cartoon." Well, and there's a lot of um, great nods to other um, TV shows and other. Um, um, social media and popularity in this cartoon. Um, so I've got a couple of great ones. Enos, what do you have? Because you might have one of the ones I'm thinking of too. Um, I had um, one of one of my favorites was Legends. Oh, was that is when, a good one. Yes, and uh, that was when this. Um, it turned out it was characters from one of John Stewart's favorite comics that came to life. And they started showing up. Come to find out, they were just a fix a fixation of it was like this one kid who was part of that group that never grew up and was trying to recreate the glory of the Justice Guild, who were yep. the, who we had everybody thinking they were the predecessors to the Justice League, giving a nod to the Justice Society. Right. And like um, one of my favorites was the Green Guardsman because he reminded me of Alan Scott. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I love those episodes as well because um, it, it it shows you number one that comic books exist in a universe where uh, there are superheroes, which right, I think right. is awesome because I don't know if comic books would exist in a world where there was superheroes. But also, it's it's a it's kind of a sideways homage to like the Justice Society and other Golden Age yep. uh, super teams and so forth. But it gave it has a whole weird Al Yankovic spin to it with the sports right. the sportsmen and Tim uh, Tom Turbine and you know it's, yeah yeah it was it was just really clever it's like somebody made up a parody of this like old JSA team and they said we yeah. got to do something with that because it's hilarious well remember too um, Green Lantern recognizes it almost immediately like, oh yeah the Justice Guild <laughs> yeah um, so a couple of other episodes um, <coughs> going back to that. There's a real, there's a really great one where um, Morgan Le Fay's son. Oh yes, um, turns uh, gets rid of all the adults, um, and all the children have disappeared off the planet. So they're like, well, what do we do? We have to get them. Uh, you know, we can't let him have the kids. He's going to basically establish his own rules. So Morgan Le Fay's like, okay, well, adults can't enter his world. I will turn you into children to go over there and battle him. Yes, and they're like, ho ho ho, no no no. So how can we trust that you'll return us back to to adults and she goes you don't understand my son's power threatened to rival my own someday and i can't let this go on i can't remember the name of her, her son now but she takes batman mordred. superman wonder woman and mordred. Grand- mordred and she makes them all kids which immediately you know that oh this is just going to be bad but there's a couple of great scenes um which by the way in the cartoon it's established that wonder woman has the crush on batman not superman like in the comics okay <laughs> So there's a great scene where they're outside Mordred's castle and they're going to divide into twos to, to go storm the castle. And Wonder Girl, you know, is like, I'll go with Clark. No, on second hand, maybe I'll go with Bruce. And then Batman's Whatever. just like, ah, fine. And so they storm off. <laughs> so Superman's like, what's with those two? And Green Lantern's like, you know, for a guy with like 20 different types of vision, you sure are blind sometimes. Yep. Um, a, yeah. But then another great scene. Another great scene is they show you just how indecisive a kid can be. Oh, yeah. Batman's being chased by this giant suit of armor that Mordred has animated. And Green Lantern's flying behind him like, I'll make a giant robot. No, wait a minute. I'll make a giant bulldozer. And then Batman just goes, pick one. Yeah. 
Well, it's just you know, yeah, Randy. It, that was uh, kid stuff from season one of yes, Justice League yes. Unlimited, and it, it was it was good to see that uh, that Bruce would probably be a really cool emo kid, right? And um, uh, speaking of Morgan Le Fay, there's one episodes where it talks about like her and Entrigan, and it's like there's a couple episodes I thought really good where it talks about like the Arthurian legends and stuff like that, it's, right? That's but also really good. Another, I recommend this entire series. I really another great one because I got two at least five more here to talk sure, about. We're I'm gonna sure. run over a little bit. Um, damn it, I don't care. We're running over. I don't care. Uh, season two, season finale, episodes 24, 25, and 26, chronologically 50, 51, and 52. Madman, this is the one you're talking about. Star crossed. Mm. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, Earth is attacked by uh Giordanian battleship. Um you find out that they're in war with Thanagar, and Thanagar army shows up and says, hey, Earth, we're going to help you take yep. care of this. And you find out that they're lying. They are oh, actually yeah. there to enslave Earth. And in this episode, which is, again, another three-episode um, three finale, Hawkgirl betrays the team. Yeah. Oh, and this is such a powerful episode, too. And like Enos was saying, it's like Jon Stewart is all over these episodes as well because uh, he, he and Hawkgirl... Are romantically involved. Are romantically yes. involved, and so he's like asking tough questions of her, you know. And I, right, I, I think that's what I love about John Stewart is because um, after an era in the like the '90s of like hot-headed Green Lanterns is like you got this cool level-headed guy again, you know. It's like you know Hal, you know he was he went crazy, and you know you got Kyle Rayner, and you got um who I I don't like Kyle, you know, and you got a guy Gardner, but finally you get some kind of a stoic you know, smart and uh, calm guy like John right. Stewart, you know? Yeah, so that is a, another really great episode. I need to go back. Like I said, I'm just going to go back and rewatch all these things from the very first episode Yeah, I'm going to dig them I out mean, too they're, over they're the holidays. Fan, yeah. They're fantastic. Um, right. But another one... I love one, how they did the Hawkman, the take on, the, the take on Hawkman with the leader of the Thanagarians with his name, Rotalik, H-R-O-T-A-L-A-K, if you switch those letters around, you get Ketar Hall. Right. Yeah, and that's K-Tar actually Hall. mentioned because that's his, his actual name in the comics. Um, they all, there's only two things that really irk me about the way they do Hawkgirl in this series. Number one, um, when she's wearing her helmet, her head looks too small at the, at the top. It's like she's got half a yeah. head. And then the other one, why do the wings not flap when she's flying? And <sighs> in all the flying scenes, her wings are extended out. They're not flapping. I'm thinking, aren't the wings how she's flying? See, uh, see, I'm not sure. I think that's one of the things about the Hawk, the Thanagarians, is that they all kind of flew like that. And so I wonder if it was like they have the wings for decoration, but it's an right. anti-gravity well, belt. Well, and remember, you know? it's right. It's actually a device. They're not actually grafted yeah. to the back, which for a long time, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but one of my other episodes, oh, oh, I love this episode. This is probably my favorite episode ever, ever. Um, Madman, you and I talk about this all the time. This is actually from the Justice League Unlimited era. Um, season one, episode eight, This Little Piggy. Piggy, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the really great thing about this one is you see Batman and Wonder Woman are staking out the Iceberg Lounge, right? And what they're doing is uh, Wonder Woman says, well, why does um, the intergang want with the Rosetta Stone anyway? You're like, I don't know. We just have this tip on it. You know, John's got this information. So as they're watching... One woman looks down and you see these couples coming out and, you know, they're obviously in love and they're walking off and she's like, don't you ever wish you were down there? And he's like, I'm down there as much as I need to be. <laughs> he says, you know, you know, oh yeah, I mean like dating, you know, somebody special. 
And then she's like, and I'm always doing this verbatim because I literally just watched this. He's like, nope, no dating for the Batman. It would cut into your brooding time. So then Batman, <laughs> Batman goes, one, dating within the team always leads to disaster. Two, you're a ra- warrior from a race of immortal warriors, and I'm a rich kid with issues, lots of issues. <laughs> he goes, three, he goes, uh, I could never date anybody. He says, uh, my enemies would try, would never stop until they got to me through her. And when he says that, she grabs the gargoyle on the roof and just crushes it in her hand and goes, next. Right, right. <laughs> so that's really good. But um, so Intergang makes a move. They get down there and he goes, oh, it's just a common thief. You know, John's information is wrong. And then all of a sudden she morphs into Cersei. And what it was mean, like, Cersei. And they're attacking. And uh, she tries to tell Batman, careful, she changes men and animals. She's like, yeah, I've read the Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> so Cersei tells Warner Woman, you know, when I got released, I was told I couldn't touch your dear mother Hippolyta, but they didn't say anything about you. And then she changes Wonder Woman to a pig. And yeah. it's great because the whole episode, you see this pig walking around with Wonder Woman's bracelets. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So... <clears throat> he calls in some help. He goes to Zantana, who's trying to reverse the spell, and she can't do it. Um, so then they go to... Um, but uh, she plays a mean guitar, right? Right, exactly. But then they, he gets um, Buona Beast to help him find Wonder Woman because they've escaped. As he's, She goes to this magic shop to try and de- cast a spell to find out where Cersei, Wonder Pig, chews through her rope and escapes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what's really great? Oh, but but Peter Porker's just too just too out there for you. That's right, he is. <laughs> I know, right? But uh, there was two things <laughs> about that episode that, that really stood out to me. One was when um they, when Bawana Beast enlisted um you Red saw Tornado Red Tornado. You saw the Crimson Avenger, who was one of the earlier made earlier appearances in the um, early days of Detective Comics, and. Red tornado, you see these tornadoes just come up out of nowhere, lightning going, then all of a sudden the tornado goes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really deep android voice too. Yeah. So wonder and, Go ahead. Oh, oh, and, and another thing that sticks out about this episode is how multi-talented Kevin Conroy is, and I think you're going to allude to yeah. that. Uh, yes, I'm getting yes. right there. So Wonder Pig ends up in a slaughterhouse. So it's funny. Buona B sees her running down the street, and he radios in, hey, I got Wonder Pig. You know, I'll have her in just a moment. She goes through this hole in the fence. He jumps over, and now he's in this yard of, like, hundreds of pigs at the slaughterhouse. And he's like, uh, yeah, about that. <laughs> so it might be a little bit longer. So now she's running through um, the slaughterhouse, you know, from this guy who's trying to kill her. Meanwhile, um, um, Batman and Zantana have found out where Cersei is. She's always wanted to be a headliner at like the, uh, the Greek forum, right? Um, so you get there, she's now singing on stage, Lulu's back in town, and they start this big fight with Zantana. Um, so as they're doing this, um, they, the slaughterhouse finally gets a hold of Wonder, Woman, the Wonder Woman's pig, you know, Wonder Woman. They tie her up, they put her on the slaughter belt. Well, what's really great about this is when they catch her, they go, that'll do, pig. And if you've ever oh, seen the movie no. Babe, that's exactly where they took it from. Oh, no. I, I don't think I've seen this episode. Did Wonder Woman remember how they treated her? No. We're getting there. Okay. So what's great is uh, they're fighting Cersei. And, of course, Cersei is the all-powerful sorceress. And the fight's going nowhere. So finally, Batman goes, stop. He goes, magic always has a price. And she's like, yeah, so what is your point? He goes, what would it take for you to change Diana back? And she's like, oh, see, now you're getting interesting. And she just tells Batman... 
I want something really deep and dark that you've never shown anyone before. Something that once you've given it, you can never take it back. And you're thinking, oh man, here we go. Screen goes black and it comes up suddenly. There are two spotlights on Batman yep. who start singing this song, Am I Blue? Am I Blue? Am I Blue? Aren't these tears in my eyes telling you? Am I blue? You'd be too. But what's great is as he's singing, you see Zantana crying oh, yeah. and she dabs her eyes with a tissue. And then you see Cersei put her hand out and she dabs her eyes. Yep. And um, they're both talking about, I didn't realize he could sing. And she's like, okay, he kept his end. He can stop now. And <laughs> Zantana's like, like not him? on your yeah, life. I'm not stopping him. <laughs> but what's really great is as it happens, um, Wonder Woman, Wonder Pig goes into the, the the factory. She's now going into the choppers, and all of a sudden, there's this big flash of light, and she comes breaking through the top, and she's floating there, and all the guys run off like, "Wow, Wonder Woman's just yeah. showing up." Yeah. Um, so at the end of it, they're on the satellite. Wonder Woman and Batman are walking down the hallway, and she's like, "Well, to tell you," and Wonder Woman's like, "You know, to be honest, it's all kind of a blur." So you know, I don't really remember a whole lot other than waking up and I was myself again. He goes, "So what did happen?" He's like, "Oh, nothing much, you know." Blah blah blah. She goes, "Hmm, okay." Well, she starts walking away and she starts humming the tune. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is a great character piece right there with the two of them. Well, you know, Batman will do anything for the mission. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> One of the one of the I can't remember what episode it was, but um, Batman was going up against Doctor Destiny, and um, Doctor Destiny likes to mess with you, get mess with your head literally. So Batman was tired. So what he was going to do was take over take over Batman's mind, but Batman wasn't having it. And it's like he started falling asleep at the wheel. He um, breaks out the glass. And he goes to a um, coffee shop, puts down a wad of money. He said, a trip, triple latte now. <laughs> then he goes, then he's driving and he's starting. And, and uh, Dr. Destiny's just about to get him. He goes, the doctor will see you now. He said, not yet. He punches out the other thing that he starts. Then he turns the radio up. And everybody's singing, Frere Jaca, Frere Jaca. <laughs> yeah. goes, Something to do Frere Jaca. And yeah. then once he, I think, I can't remember if he crashed the Batmobile or not. And then Dr. Destiny knew we had him. And all of a sudden, Batman goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. So, and he said, what is that infernal noise? He said, something to keep you out. And he said, yep. and he said I got to have your mind. He said, my mind is not a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a... Uh... He's occupying his mind, keep him from reading it. Absolutely. Yep. Another great episode in this one, too. Um, I, earlier, I had mentioned The Better World. Um, that comes into play back in Justice League Unlimited because we get an episode called Question Authority, where the question finds a file from Project Cadmus being run by Amanda Waller, of all people. Yeah. She's in league with Lex Luthor at this point because he also knows she has a video file from the Justice League computer showing the Justice Lords. And Project Cadmus. Um, and the I think the Uni Men or the Animen are created specifically to combat the Justice League should it ever happen, um, which sets up a whole three story line arc. There's Flashpoint, Panic in the Sky, and Divided We Fall, and those three episodes take 
the Better World storyline, and they also take some of the Project Cadmus storylines from actually the Superman animated series and the Batman animated series, and it brings it all to a head in these three episodes. Really great stuff. So, again, you really need to watch this series if you have it. Some of the stories are just going to blow you away. I mean, um, since we're coming into this holiday season, I seem to remember one where it stars like Flash and Ultra Humanite. That's a great episode, yes. And it's a Christmas yeah. episode, and Flash yep. is trying to get a a toy, this talking toy. I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's like a Plucky Ducky yeah, or something. Yeah, Plucky Ducky. And it at, in the drama that involves, you know, the silly drama uh, that it involves, you know, the thing gets damaged and ult- he gives it to Ultra hum- Humanite because no way Flash can fix this thing. But Ultra Humanite, you know, he makes it, he records his own voice and now he's giving it to children. So even though, you know, the story has this happy Christmas arc to it, and it's it's really beautiful and it's nice and it's not it's inconsequential you know it's not a, like a canon story it's just a happy Christmas story but at the same time gnawing at the back of your head you're wondering if Ultra Humanite put some instructions like a evil Teddy Ruxpin well or remember like that, there's that know? great there's that great bit where Flash tells the, the the orphanage oh the the plucky ducky and again I'm making up the name of the toy because I can't remember he tells him not a problem because I'll get you one to find out that there's not one to be had yeah. anywhere. So Ultra Humanite is actually making him one, and then he goes, I'm adding some improvements to it. And Flash goes, it's not going to, like, blow up or anything, is it? <laughs> right, yeah. and, and Ultra Humanite goes, Flash, it's, it's Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean, I, yeah, not, I'm not going to make it explode in three months. <laughs> right. Now, Flash has some great character moments in this as well. There's another great one with uh, the Flash Museum where he's talking yes. to Orion and Batman about, so yeah, did I mention that, you know, Central City is opening a museum <laughs> to me? Yep. You know, not Superman, not you or Wonder Woman, me, me. Flash. Sure would be nice if some of my teammates could show up and show some support and Orion and Batman aren't saying anything. Yeah. Like, you know, just little team support. That's all I'm asking for here. And then he finally just gets depressed. He realizes that's going to happen. So as he starts to walk out all dejected, <laughs> Batman goes, <sighs> What time? <laughs> but Orion's like, you're not really going to go to that, are you? And Batman's like, oh, you're going with me. But, <laughs> That's Batman for you. But there's a great scene where they get a call about um, the toy man has escaped. Yep. So he's in a bar. So Batman and Orion show up, and they're just about to go pummel him. And Orion's like, wait, 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 hold. You can't just go beating him down. So let me handle this. So he goes over and he sits down, and he's like, James. He goes, what are you doing here? You're not taking your meds, are you? And he's like, I don't need to take my meds. I'm just fine. And he's like, James, you're wearing the costume again. Yeah. And it looks like, oh, wow, so I am. And then Flash is like, you know, look, James, the meds only work if you take them. We talked about this. He goes, you need to take your medicine, okay? He's like, yeah, all right. So he gets up to leave to go to the Flash Museum, and Batman and Ryan are looking at him, and he's like, what about your nemesis? And Flash is like, oh, yeah, right. He turns around like, hey, James, when you're done with your beer, turn yourself in, okay? <laughs> yeah, that was when they got Mark Hamill to come back to reprise his role as the trickster. Yeah, yes. Trickster, yeah. That was a good one. So, and then obviously one of the really great ones is the season finale for season two of Justice League Unlimited um, epilogue where you find out that uh, the Royal Flush Gang, Ace yeah. was the little 10-year-old girl and her powers are killing her. Yeah. And she's um, basically erected this giant uh, wooded park in the middle of um, a tr- Gotham, and no one can get in there to stop her. Um, 
and Amanda Waller says, you need to go bring her in. He goes, you need to stop her or because she's basically destroying the world with her psychic powers. And she actually gives Batman a device that says, when you get close enough to her, hit this button, it'll disable her. And Batman's like, you mean kill her, basically. Right. So he shows up at the swing set, and she knows that she's dying. And she's scared. She's like, I don't want to die. You're like, I understand. And uh, she's not. And she even looks at Batman. It's like, you're not going to use that. Says, you've already read my mind. You know that, right? Um, so he sits down on a swing set, and she's basically like, "Will you sit here with me till the end?" He's like, "Yes." And then that's what happens. She dies, and it's a really touching episode. But yes, uh, I think it shows his humanity. I, well, I think it show it makes me understand why Wonder Woman would be so interested in Batman, right? Because I mean, a lot of his humanity is played out in the series. Like, as a whole, it's like, yeah, he's dark and brooding, and many times he plays his role. He's in the shadows, or he's in the background, then all of a sudden he comes out at a key moment. And they play the Batman thing uh, right in terms of Batman and uh, how, he, how he operates. But at the same time, because he's working with a group, because he's with all these different personalities and people, it's like you get to see far more of Batman's personality. Uh, I would say than in a lot of comic books. Oh, absolutely. Because remember, there's that great scene where uh, Superman dresses down Captain Marvel for having um, endorsed Lex Luthor for president, mm-hmm. even though he does it accidentally. And then the next scene, they're fighting bank robbers, and Batman's like, you're a little hard on the Boy Scout, weren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Superman's like, I thought I was a Boy Scout. <laughs> but yes, so... There was, a, there, was, there was an episode where there was a confrontation between Batman and Superman and um, Batman, um, the, it was a playback to when Darkseid brainwashed Superman, and he and Superman wants to tear um, wants to tear um, Darkseid apart, and he said he used you. He made a mockery of you. Yeah. And he made you made you against who you were. And he goes gets right in Superman's face and goes, "Cry me a river." Right. Yeah. Now, is it? It's not this TV show. It's a Superman one where he gets into a fight with Darkseid, and Superman's like, uh, "I always have to be too careful. I have to hold back." He goes, "But you can take no, it, can't it, you?" No, it big? was Justice League Unlimited. Because then you just know, oh, Darkseid is about to get pummeled. Uh, but yes, anyway, guys, if you have not seen the Justice League cartoon, both Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, it is five seasons all together. Just watch them from the beginning and watch the entire series. Because that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I tell you, a lot of the episodes will tie back in later, and you'll be like, what did I miss here? Um, so yeah, Justice League, seasons one and two. And then Justice League Unlimited, it's either Justice League Unlimited Season 3 or Justice League Unlimited Season 1, depending on who you talk to. Most of us consider it Season 3 of Justice League. Um, <laughs> but just want to remind everyone, magic of the internet, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, we have Facebook page, Lost in the Longbox, obviously Facebook.com slash Lost in the Longbox. Um, Facebook.com slash GWComics for our sponsors out there. We have our sister groups, Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever, Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture, and Gather Together, the Greatest Superhero Teams. Those are all on Facebook, of course. And then Lost in Longbox at gmail.com because who wants to be lonely this week? All right, Tommy's lonely. Um, yeah, and then, I usually am the one. Right. <laughs> and remember, uh, Mad Men does Shock Monkey Radio every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. here on uh, FXBG. Yeah, Public find me Radio. on YouTube and uh, BitChute. And then patreon.com slash FXBG Public Radio because, you know, we all pay for this out of our pocket. We are actually going to be taking a break for the holidays. We all have a few too many things going on that I can see the stress building up on everybody, uh, myself included. So we will talk to you guys after the first of the year. Um, 
have a good Thanksgiving, however oh. able you're going to do it, because I know many of us are staying home because Draw of the pandemic. Oh. Um, but, uh, so yes, please have a good Thanksgiving. I know a lot of us actually just celebrated early because, you know, you don't want to get together because of the pandemic, but good news on the horizon. We have what? Three, uh, vaccines coming now, right? Oh yeah. We'll be fine. So everything, everything yeah. will be fine. Um, and all the conventions that come back, I can tell you, I am missing my conventions in a major way. You and everybody riding and stuff. I second that, right. bud. Um, and then, obviously, have a nice Christmas as well. Um, we are going to be probably seeing Wonder Woman over the holidays. So our first two shows back are going to be, first, a retrospective of the Wonder Woman um, character, followed by a review of the Wonder Woman movie. And I am going to try and be getting a special guest for our Wonder Woman episode. Ooh, so, S&M. Nice. Hey, In fact, I need to... I need to actually give her a call this week to see if she can do it. So, all right. Until then, everybody, enjoy the holidays. We will see you after the first of the year. Good night. Night, everyone. Have a good night, everyone.